Welcome to Zero Knowledge. I'm your host, Anna Rose. In this podcast, we will be exploring the latest in zero knowledge research and the decentralized web, as well as new paradigms that promise to change the way we interact and transact online. In this week's episode, I wrap up the year with my amazing sometimes co-hosts, Tarun, Guillermo, Josh, and Kobe. For most of the episode, we take a look back and try to remember what happened in this past year. It's been a rocky, rough ride, and we try to highlight the things that stood out to us and where we seem to have landed. Listening back, I do think we missed a lot of key items, so maybe if you want to tweet at us what you think we should have included, look for the tweet about this episode over on Twitter. Our Twitter is at ZeroKnowledgeFM, and tell us what you would have added to your look back at the year. Oh, also, this is the final episode for the year. I will be taking a few weeks off, but expect us back mid-January with new episodes all about ZK cryptography, research, use cases, and maybe we even branch out a bit further to explore the intersection between ZK and other emerging technologies. But first, we do our look back. I do want to just share a quick note from one of our supporters of the ZK Summit 8 back in the fall, Polygon. Polygon continues to make leaps in zero knowledge. Their technical leads have made enduring contributions to ZK technology, including the CIRCOM language for generating ZK proofs, as well as innovations in recursive proving. Expect more in 2023. For the latest on Polygon ZK solutions, visit polygon.technology blog. Now, Tanya will share a little bit about this week's sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Mina Protocol. A new era of ZK-powered decentralized applications is coming, and Mina is the place to build them. The team is committed to delivering the most accessible ZK tooling in the space. Mina's ZK apps are written in TypeScript, so you can use familiar tools like NPM, Visual Studio Code, Prettier, and ESLint. It's easy to get hands-on experience building zero-knowledge applications on Mina without having to learn a custom programming language. You can follow the team on Twitter, at Mina Developers, and share what ZK use cases you're most excited about. So thanks again, Mina Protocol. And now here's our episode. Today, I'm here with my four sometimes co-hosts of this show. So we have Josh Cincinnati, Tarun Shitra, Guillermo Angaris, and Kobe Gherkin, all here with me to talk about this past year. And actually, I hope with this episode that we could do a look back at the year a look at our current time and what's going on, and a look to the future. It's like the Christmas Carol of ZK Podcasts, and we'll see how far we get. Um, this is unlike other kinds of episodes that we've done. The, you know, it's not super organized, and we're just going to kind of wing it. We did something like this at the beginning of this year, the one we did in Amsterdam when we drank a bottle of tequila, and some of these <laughs> other like makeshift <laughs> wacky ones. Oh, why did um, I miss that one? Yeah, even in prepping this one, we, as we started to go through the timeline of this year, it's been kind of insane. Extremely depressing. Very. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. So maybe to kick off, why don't we start from January? So it turns out almost nothing happened in January when we looked into it. January seems <laughs> to have been quiet. But on February 2nd, we started off with the wormhole hack. Ooh. Oh, how, how much was that again? I don't remember. Do you remember? 300 million. Okay. I thought it was about 300, yeah. But it was okay. 300 million at Solana prices then. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and given that Solana is the biggest loser of all layer ones price-wise, um, I'm sure if we discount it, you know, whenever people give you inflation-adjusted, uh, you know, costs... <laughs> uh, we also need deflation adjusted costs and uh, i think the deflation adjusted costs here means it's quite a bit lower bear market adjusted costs yeah which is sort of weird because it's like that hack happened and there were all these spl assets that people thought oh no they're not backed by anything in wormhole but it turns out a lot of them weren't backed by anything to begin with anyway <laughs> Uh, going on later in February, uh, we had the 24th, Russia invades the Ukraine, setting off. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, we all got, everything got thrown up with that one. It's funny because like February, I, like one of the other things that happened, maybe this is more show relevant, but Tarun, you and I interviewed Sriram 
which I feel like set off a cadence of episodes <laughs> of like Sri Ram and all of his collaborators that kind of lasted through. The well, years. well, the thing is, we I think we the 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 direction we went was we went to his advisor, then to his advisor's advisor. <laughs> yep. Or no, no, actually, we went to his advisor's advisor, then down. <laughs> right. We found the bridge. Yeah, we're missing part four. Anything else? Like, okay, so I'll, I'll say sort of. On our front, in March, we did ZK Hack Mini in a job fair. But like that's Q1. Does, do any of you have any other recollections from Q1 of this year? The fun launched. So it was official oh, okay. that I, uh, when, when I first started. Oh, that's um, cool. Well, that's, that's a happy note. It's, a, it's yeah. a mostly happy note, yeah. Yeah. I think. It's a happy note that the fun launched, for sure. I'll give you, I'll give I, you that. I mean, I, mean I, think, I think the key to, to evaluating any uh, investment vehicle in in and around cryptocurrencies in 2022 is to ask whether you avoid any of you avoided all the mines in the minefield. And yeah. <laughs> I think you did do that. So, so yeah, you, it's, it's not ROI. It's like, did you avoid any negative multiples, I guess? Uh, yeah. But let's just say we didn't avoid all of them, but it's, yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on in the year. So now we're entering Q2 and this is where I have to say it gets very exciting. Well, April, we did the ZK Summit 7. That was really fun. Amsterdam, DevConnect, people got oh, together. Oh, that was super fun. Yeah, well, actually, wait, going back to Q1, did anyone go to ETH Denver? I didn't, so for me, it didn't yes. register. You did. Tarun and I went. Okay. Yeah. Was it fun? It was cold. Okay. Um, I, I, I will say my hot take about ETH Denver, which is, there's absolutely no reason to host a conference that has more people attending it than your largest stadium uh, in, in a city that is like freezing in February uh, yeah. outside of historical vestige that a bunch of early Ethereum people were there. So they still host it there. But it's actually like one of the worst cities that you could ever host this event in. Like Ooh. people were standing outside for like five blocks. Of the conference venue. It was like a disaster. It was like one of the worst Damn. organized events I've ever been to. And then you go to Amsterdam. It was amazing. It's like, it's like, it was like night and day about how horrible Denver was. Yeah. <laughs> Am Amsterdam wasn't like, it never felt too crazy crowded, at least from my perspective. Like I never really waited. I don't remember like lines and our event was really smooth. It was like actually decentralized in Amsterdam. Like there's many True. different venues where it's like they like put everything into this one stadium in Denver and like the line, it made no sense. Okay. I think my concern about Amsterdam, uh, yeah, I bet it, I bet the conference was great. I just worry that I'd be dragged out into an unmarked van by the Dutch police yeah. and <laughs> oh. not charged with any crime. <laughs> But detained for this, this all happened before end. people realized that. For yeah, the we didn't know that <laughs> right. was a thing this that is... could happen then. Oh, how innocent we were. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so we had had bridge number one fall, although you know, revamp wormhole. Then it was Ronin Axie because I feel like this is a bit of a theme oh, of God, the first yeah. six months, eight months of the year. It's just like every few months there'd be this big bridge hack. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like maybe the first part of the year was like technical hacks and the last part of the year was economic. Yeah. Hacks. Other, other pillars falling. Oh, I guess here, here's another random update for Q2, which is not so sad. It's, uh, it's the first time you and I have met in person, Anna. Yeah. It was in Amsterdam. Totally. There you go. That's a cute one. There you go. One positive note in a sea <laughs> of negativity. <laughs> Yeah, and that was actually, like, May in Q2 was my first, like, post-pandemic actual travel, oh. which was very happy for me. But it was, and it was to New York, and I got to, actually, I got to see Tarun. Yo, we got, uh, yeah. Yeah, we got coffee. Hey. I, I saw James. And then I went, we actually, like, a bunch of, a bunch of crypto people went to a really nice dinner while Terra was melting down, <laughs> which was... <laughs> Actually, I mean, actually, a thing to recap, actually, is when we go through each of these events, when you reach an event that's large enough, you yeah. have to say where you were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I don't wait, know if Luna I remember that. happens in June, doesn't it? Isn't the full crash? May? Like, is it end it was of May? May. I, I was at that dinner in May when, like, it was getting super depegged, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I was at a mezcaleria in Mexico City when that happened, and everyone I was like, half the people there was were crypto people, half the people were Tuluminati shaman type people, Ooh. and uh, you could just see you could see the table like half half the people were just like 
la 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 the world is great the other half of the people were like where's the bottle of mezcal we, we <laughs> <laughs> that's funny the luna for me like luna i don't remember clearly i didn't remember the date i mean i do remember i remember the impact of it but i wouldn't know the moment that i heard about it although there are other events from this year where i could peg like exactly where i was yeah, I don't know. I was I remember like frantically, I think, writing a class and then having to somehow incorporate stable coins into it because like everything had gone to shit. I had not been teaching the class right at that time. Hmm. So I just remember me being like, oh, crap, now I have to make slides about this like stupid crash. <laughs> 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 just like, damn it, like more work. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I like the way you just put that, by the way, that there was these like technical hacks before. So it really was like the multi-chain and bridging. This became like a very question. People started to question like, you know, are we pushing this stuff out too quickly? How do you actually make sure that they're safe? Starting with Luna, there's a cascade of other things happening, right? It's yeah. Luna's June, like end of May, I guess. 3AC, mid-July. June, July, yeah. There is another bridge hack, Nomad, on August 2nd. And it's followed by like on August 8th, and this obviously hit our ecosystem the most, but tornado happens. Right. So that's six yep. days later, which to me is, that's wild. Fuck. One reason to hate hate uh, FTX and SBF is that all the TV shows and movies are going to ignore all the stuff we've talked about so far and just focus on uh, focus Yeah, on, on Sam. Yeah. Yeah, which is like a kind of a boring scam. So <laughs> yeah, it, it is actually relative to <laughs> relative to everything else. Toby, right, tell Toby. us how you really feel about what scams are interesting versus not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh, the the arrest of a tornado developer is much more interesting. It's not a scam, but it's interesting. It's much more impactful for us, you know. So mm. it's a governmental scam, depending on how you see it. Yeah, <laughs> but you know. But actually, I guess going back to that, that was like a very short amount of time. I didn't even realize yeah. how close that was. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I got like a haircut around that time. And my uh, my hair salon that I've gone to for like 12 years was like, wow, you got some real pandemic grades. I was like, yo, it's been a year <laughs> since, the pe- since I was like in that mode. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and, and like, I, I, I now when I look back on it, that was like right around. Back <laughs> <laughs> in Tornado. Okay, so this is August. Post-tornado, I mean, in the ZK space at least, it sent, I mean, I think it was so impactful, the, the ripples of that, just like how each team had to find their position on this, on like, yeah. do they lean into compliance? Do they lean away from compliance? Like where, you know, where are they going to position themselves around it? In the ZK space, that's definitely like a pivotal moment. Still ongoing, like they did release what is it, the FAQs a few months later that clarified a few things, but I don't think we've really seen anyone try to use, like, so basically one of the things that happened with Tornado, and by the way, we're going to, we're going to speak in this, I should have maybe said this earlier, but in this episode, we're going to speak like, you know, (laughs) we're not maybe going to give all the background, but I will say for Tornado, there are like a few episodes that I did looking at the different aspects. And when the, when the thing first came out, there was so much kind of confusion and almost like overreaction on the part of other projects or like infrastructure projects, like companies where they started to blacklist things or censor. Like they were basically like anything touching this in any way could potentially land on a blacklist. So, or block list. So there was all sorts of um, immediate reactions. And then after this point, there was an FAQ released where we actually learned a little bit more detail. But even in that, I think there's still so much lack of clarity because it's not really been tested, right? Like we don't, I don't know if there's stories of people who've actually gone and tried to petition to get their funds out. Do you know anything about that actually, Josh? Have you heard about that? Uh, Other than that, you know, concerted effort by Coin Center uh, and a couple of folks to bring about that lawsuit, which is not, not really like a petition to get funds out. I haven't heard of anyone trying to like go that, go that route. Yeah, because in the FAQ, they do they did apparently say there is a path to do that. But like, yeah, I don't know if anyone's done it. Yeah, actually gone. Maybe a question and would, to the if audience. they did, would they be public about it? Yeah, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> Given uh, that they're privacy oriented. Well, it's also yeah. crazy about it. It's like this confluence of strange events because that happened right before the merge. 
right after the merge? I'm trying to... Before. It was like a right month before. before. Yeah, a month, a month before, right? And the merge was this amazing, you know, incredible, like, achievement event in our industry and ecosystem. Like, really remarkable, right? But then it opened up the avenue for the, you know, OFAC level censoring by validators that it's like oh great uh, or sorry block producers um mm. uh and it's like great lo- lovely we, we kind of like sped it didn't feel like a speed run but it felt like the merge was you know we're, we're like really charging ahead with it and then first challenge up is great now we have like some actual like effective nation state level censoring potential right um in the yeah. midst of this and, and you know it hasn't actually affected things too um too gravely yet because it isn't really that that widespread although just going back tornado happens in beginning of august what it revealed and now i'm realizing something like september and october a lot of the narrative at least it started with like will validators censor and then it was sort of this realization that actually you know at the mev level there are these kind of points where censorship can happen in almost an easier way Mm-hmm. And that reveal was kind of fascinating. Like that, I, I don't think we could have necessarily predicted that that's where it would fall, but maybe it's kind of good that we see it at this moment. Like yeah. it, it's still very fluid. There's things we can do to mitigate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think one, one thing that happened was that a lot of people started to think about the technical solution, like the cryptography that would solve it. And... I don't think the solution is cryptography here. It's just going to delay the the end. So a lot of confusion around that as well. On like how to solve for the MEV problem, or so um, yeah. For example, <laughs> I feel how like Guillermo to... and Tarun when I say MEV problem, they're both <laughs> like, oh, what is she saying here? It's not a problem. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so no, like um, that you you would be um, including transactions that are encrypted in the blocks without seeing them, and then you would be forced to to process them like with mm. the threshold encryption kind of stuff. But uh, I'm I, I don't know I'm not sure that I'm convinced that that's a solution. Do you think it's just too far off? Like no, I, would... I don't think it's a technical. It's that big of a technical challenge. It's definitely doable. It's more that. Okay, so you're including an encrypted transaction that you can say, "Oh, I didn't know what I had there," but after a block, you do know, and like you kind of still participate in it. So it's not entirely clear what it means. So, mm. well, just to play obviously very biased devil's advocate on that, um, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I think one could make the, the devil case. has bias. <laughs> mm, shocking, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but I think one can make the case that if you're if you're running you know infrastructure where you're running that infrastructure to participate in an ecosystem in purely legitimate means, but the way that that infrastructure functions requires you to participate in a way where you propagate transactions that you know nothing about or include transactions that you know nothing about in you know whatever blocks you're producing. I mean, I think there's a legal defense, but there's there's also just like a practical defense of like. I'm just running this so I can push my super legitimate, you know, trading transactions. I have a full record. I can give you this view key, et cetera. And you can see that. Uh, and it, it, you're right that ultimately you still have to rely on people feeling like safe enough in running that infrastructure. Right. Um, and that's like on the social layer rather than yeah. like the technological layer. But I don't know. I, yeah. I, th- I think actually that I need to be the devil's advocate. I think that's the devil, right? So um, <laughs> I, I think actually that what, what would happen here is that, you know, someone could say, and again, like, I'm, I'm not saying this is what I think, but like someone could say that <laughs> if you participate in that ecosystem, you should have convinced that ecosystem to censor it on the protocol level or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I could see someone so, I don't know. making that argument. Going back to that, Tarun and Guillermo, I mean, you guys were doing a ton of work and you're still doing a lot of work on the on the MEV front. But did you like <laughs> did you already know all this stuff? Were you already like because you were so much deeper in it? Like for me, at least like tornado happens and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, that's what they're doing. And that's what's possible. Uh, I think that's more a problem of like the proof of stake security model, honestly, than anything else. You know, to Kobe's point, right? Like, even if it's encrypted, the next block, you know who did it. 
part of the reason is in proof of stake, you effectively have to register your addresses on each epoch. And so you kind of know who the people are who are who are going to be possible, mm-hmm. possibly selected within an epoch. You know, and, th- and that's one of the biggest ways the proof of stake security model is significantly weaker than proof of work, where like mm. this notion of mm-hmm. like adaptivity, like people can join and leave whenever and like you can't really yeah. keep track of who's registered to be in the lottery to win the next block. There's been a ton of work on cryptographic solutions to try to make the two equal. The one I like to shill a lot, but like I think is like it's very far from being implemented is is Nicola Greco's um, single secret leader election. Like yeah. basically that would give you a way of like having the leader election be not known. So you couldn't, couldn't do this uh, post hoc type of analysis, but we're just not, it's like a beautiful paper. It's just that like somehow, you know, we're just like not there at like the implementation level yet. I mean, and there are some toy versions of this, but my point is like nothing that's going to be like in production, like running on stuff is there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the MEV part is separate. Then the, this that that's what I'd say. Right, right, yeah. At a high level, I think it's less like there is something to be said about MEVness because, like, in the you know whatever and miners will value like miners actually do actively include like specific transactions in like some more generic way that isn't just like pick the highest bidding ones. But but fundamentally, it's more of a problem of like you know you know ahead of time that you're going to be picked at some point, so like you better better have a good answer uh, before you get yeah. there, right? Which is uh, I guess in this case OFAC compliant. Uh, but that might not be the the good, the good answer here. <laughs> Merge happened after Tornado. That's so weird. Yeah, I think it did happen Completely slightly after, right? thought. Yeah. Wow, yeah, okay. I had that internally flipped too for some reason. Yeah, so it was it was on, I remember, because it was on the day of CK Summit 8, the, the summit. September 15th. That's right. Every, everyone was late for my event because I stayed up all night. <laughs> <laughs> but then they came. Good. Okay, so yeah, the merge happens after and that's why maybe that conversation started more in September, October. I don't know. And I feel like in my Twitter spheres, it was like the first one of the first things that's kind of started getting discussed as like an important consideration or whatever. And like a bunch of protocols were like, oh, shit, like, is this is this us, too, you know, or whatever. And mm. a bunch of people started like thinking about self-censoring before yeah. uh, doing kind of anything interesting yet. Okay, did anything else happen in that quarter that you can remember? Oh, man. So we're talking Q3. This is recent. <laughs> this is, but this is right before, I'd say, like one of the biggest ones. I, I mean, the 3AC thing was like, you know, the staked ETH, you know, people realizing that oh, yeah. a lot of the synthetic assets that they thought were one-to-one or not yeah. uh, began then. But like, ironically, that was like the biggest drop for an ETH-related asset, and it was like 8%. And it's like every other staking derivative in the world like looks like the Zimbabwean currency like in some ways. So like, it, it actually you know, gives staked ETH some credit. It did pretty well. Mm. Okay, so now I guess we'll roll into November or October, November. Uh, when, when, was, when was the time where all the ZKVMs battled? Who was the first? Oh, wait, that was... Where was that? Oh, that was Paris. That was in July. Okay. Do you remember this? I, I mean, I wasn't there, but like during the ECC week in Paris, there was like all the ZK EVMs announced on the same week. Oh. Um, I don't know if you guys remember <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Paris. <laughs> Paris actually happened. That, Paris that happened. A... Yeah. Right. This is this is semi-chronological, folks. <laughs> Did anything interesting come out of that conference? I don't remember. I mean, ZK I was there EVMs. and I remember ZK VMs. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> are any of them, and, and excuse my ignorance here, but are any of them actually equivalent to the EVM? Or were they just announcing paths toward EVM equivalency? Well, they're each different. Some are like actually EVM compatible on the opcode level, and some mm-hmm. are not. There's arguments between them, which is the more ZK EVM of them. But um, I think, if you, is your question how far along are they? Yeah, like were these were these announcements were people just sort of bum rushing announcements because they saw like someone announcing first despite like what you know whatever stage they were they were in um and like how far along are these actually conceptually? Yeah, I think aren't they from what I understood that announcement week was an announcement week. It was like roadmaps. Yeah. It was not Okay. We have it and it's ready and it's ready to use. Yeah, it's more like you can try it now and feel the user experience, but okay. it's not feature complete yet. That's kind of... Oh, really? Close. Wait, even in July, Kobe, would you have said that they were 
usable. Do you remember um, when yeah. 2019 was announcement of announcement season? Like every fucking crypto project <laughs> would like make an announce announcement about an announcement they're going to make. <laughs> In 2022, um, they, they just made announcements. future announcements without revealing this is, this is the equivalent the of that. Oh my god! Oh, I hadn't realized that, Kobe. I thought I actually thought it was more of a announcements that they were going to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them announced that there will be something to do soon. Okay. Yeah, but not not long after you could have tried it. But yeah, most of them were announcement of okay, we exist and we're the first. So okay, so now let's like I'm trying to figure out what happened. Did anything happen in October? Not really, eh? I feel like it was a chill month. Relatively, <laughs> like maybe was October, October Celsius because Celsius also oh, yeah, so like imploded. But I can't remember if it was September or October. So I think we. We Googled it. It was like July or something. Yeah. Oh, Tarun, do you was remember Celsius? Celsius was like pretty close to, I thought it was closer to three arrows. They're very okay. similar timing. We could just look it up, actually. Although usually, trying to rely on memory is just an interesting exercise and maybe just how much it is. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like my timeline is like super fucked right now like yeah, i just do events happen and i'm kind of like ah crap you know there's yeah. something that i have a good baseline for because i just like affected stuff i was doing like literally at that time and then there's stuff that's just like yeah i mean it could have happened at some point oh, who knows? when you're going through like a series of unfortunate events happening in a row <laughs> time doesn't really like obey special relativity anymore it's like is time dilating is time contracting I'm yeah, it's, like, it's a quite non-causal or slower. Right. Yeah, it's like exactly. You just like lose causality too. It's it's like very bad. Actually. I don't have the like, tensor have... math for that. Truthfully, I don't think I can figure that out. So I think okay, I think Celsius happens somewhere between June and August. I don't have an exact date because oh man, yeah. yeah. There's at least the the quick survey I just made. What was I? Oh, gosh, I feel like in September, October, like FTX was bailing out. So-called bailing out block yeah, You mean robbing block- customer funds. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. Like bailing out some customers with other customers' money. Yeah. Right. right. That is what I mean. <laughs> and it's funny because like it's FTX was like, I felt it was on the other side of this industry from what I do. It was like yep. stadiums and models and like sports <laughs> people. I mean, sorry, that's just the marketing part of it. But it was just like... <laughs> You know, exchange and exchange and derivatives and like market making and like these big financial things that like I don't spend time with that often. And I don't know that like it seems like a different part of the world. (laughs) And yet that impact, it's impacted everybody. Like it's swept across all of us, even if you were far away from it. Yeah. So where were you? When you found out that this was happening. Because <laughs> oh, I can tell crap. you. Could, could, yeah, can you tell me what the day so was? It was November 8th that like it was clearly screwed up. Like November 7th had question mark, like maybe something's happening because they were started tweeting mean things publicly to each other. F, uh, right, SBF right. and CZ. CZ, yeah. And I know it was the 8th because we did a ZK event in London and <laughs> Kobe was actually in London. So yeah. Kobe and I got to meet in person for the first time in three years. Yeah. Oh, last month. That was so cool. Yeah. That um, was like good timing to fly, to meet the, like to visit the geometry offices and like to meet all the team, like right at the time of, it, but you <laughs> landed on the day that <laughs> yeah. that happened. And then we had this party and it was a really nice party. And obviously yeah. it's more ZK people. And, but, the topic was yeah. like, holy, but like, do you see what's happening over there? Right. What, yeah. Josh, where were uh, you? I was, I think I was like literally exactly where I am now, but going <laughs> to Twitter, <laughs> like in my home office, just scrolling, just thinking, <laughs> I, I was really thinking to myself like, no way, this, there's no way. I mean, I always knew they were a little sketchy, but there was no way that they were like, flat out Ponzi fraudulent. You know, I just yeah. couldn't yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I but couldn't imagine d- that. We didn't even fully know that on the 8th. No. We just knew that no. they were in danger. No. Mm, we, we sort of knew that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. By, by we, you mean Tarun. 
I think the FTT FTT stuff was way more clear by that point because you could like mm. see all the liquidations mm. and like people people getting wrecked. Yeah, like and the fact that I, I think it was like I remember I was going to Mexico for this like I, I I'm always in Mexico in these stories. <laughs> I know. I was in Mexico every year. It something blew up. Mexican Someone, conspiracy. the government, Maybe every you need to stop going to Mexico, man. Pay me not to go to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> holy shit, dude. <laughs> That's where you lunch. No, it was. It was from. this particular. This particular investor had this event, and they may may or may not have had some investment in FTX. And I remember like going there, and everyone was very shell shocked. Wow. <laughs> And I was like, that was like a very interesting way to do it. Cause I'm like, oh, wow, we're in this like a uh, nice resort in, in Mexico, but like also the world's exploding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember that TT stuff was definitely very clear by then that there was something very weird going on. I mean, the fact that matter is for Alameda to have had, what was it like minus 3 billion FTT short is like kind mm-hmm. of ridiculous, which, yeah. you know, that I think obviously that's what triggered everything. But like, I think people realize that a, some of the public borrowing numbers you could see suggested that like something was wrong on FTX's platform, mm-hmm. as well as that balance sheet was just uh, ridiculous. And you know, I've known Sam since before he got famous, and you know, he was always someone I personally didn't really trust that much. So I, I can I can say I I always I like kind of like Josh was like yeah I always thought they're robbing grannies somehow. Mm. Yeah, like front running everyone, like whatever, whatever pension funds there. I didn't think they were like literally robbing grannies. I thought they like actually used some skill in the middle, but clearly it was like too, that was too hard. So they, they went straight to the, but it's like kind of this like really sad thing, right? Of like, if you go rob someone for a hundred dollars, you go to jail, but you rob $8 billion and it's like, Chilling in the Bahamas. Well, yeah, <laughs> playing league now. while you're doing a, you know, no, 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 no. Even game. worse, playing some shitty game that he bought with customers' <laughs> right. money, right? <laughs> Storybook, whatever, and then <laughs> shilling it on the puff piece that he had commissioned in the New York Times. Yeah, how come the mainstream media kept kept praising those people? That was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Wild. It was really. Odd. I, I think they've gotten sort of wise to it, but like that yeah. first yeah. week was ridiculous it's so strange depressing yeah um over a year ago when i first heard about sbf and this like effective altruism giving the money away i remember i asked you like so i had heard about it on a podcast and i was like oh is this relevant should we have him on and your answer was very good (laughs) it was it was basically like you can have him on but you're never going to get a straight answer out of him like he's just going to sell you something and given the sh- type of show I think you want to have, like, I don't think you're going to enjoy it. I don't think it's going to be like nice. And so we never had him on. I'm happy that you, that you <laughs> gave me that advice. <laughs> A fair warning from Tarun is very valid usually. Yeah. EA, pe- EA people are very difficult to trust. In, in my experience. Wow. Yeah. Because they might take like a, a benthamite take. approach that backstabbing you is actually a plus net util for <laughs> some future trillions of unborn people somehow. I think, I think the problem is like, there's this fundamental flaw with like long-termism mixed with this idea that you're like optimizing utility because like long-termism on paper sounds really good, right? It's this idea that like you should like invest now in things that like last 10,000 years, whether that's for like humans who live then or whatever, the environment that's there. But the problem is if you don't give a time scale and you 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 kind of take the like very simple philosophical tenets that like the philosophers who started this in Australia in the 1990s, like Peter Singer, I don't think any of them were t- so caught up in like the utility function thing as much as they were caught up in this idea of like, very simple axioms. Like if you read the original singer papers on like, say animal cruelty, the number one thing he focuses on is, okay, let's, if we take the following axiom, which I personally don't agree with, but this is the one that kind of creates all EA in some ways that like all pain is equal and all pain should be reduced, Mm. which, you know, I, I don't know why you necessarily agree with that, but like, if you agree with that, then they have a bunch of like sort of deductions that are like, okay, that means you should like, instead of buying a can of Coke, I should go buy a mosquito net to like go help someone in who, who who's going to die of malaria. 
Now, the problem is like, there's no end point to that set of deductions. And like reality is not infinitely liquid. You can't keep doing this type of stuff forever, or you can't keep like saying, we're going to like keep projecting out to infinity before you look at like kind of the harm you cause in local space or local time. And so I feel like what happened was like the Oxford and Dustin Moskowitz grouping of like, Dustin Moskowitz is one of the, Facebook co-founders who founded Asana, who's like was the main funder of EA prior to this. And then there's, you know, some professors at Oxford, like Blooming House School. They basically like were like doing the whole like, hey, you should just like work at some job that makes a lot of money and then donate all your money. And they like kind of started that ethos. And then then it started getting mixed in with long-termism. And like the three of those things kind of without any bounds on what each of them were doing, like kind of had became this chaotic system that, you know, led a lot of people who are probably assholes to like suddenly be able to justify anything that they wanted to do mm. via using the tenets of these three philosophies. Mm. And I think it's kind of just unfortunate for some facets of it, like some facets of it actually don't seem so harmful, but it's like, it's sort of like, a, you know, Stein's paradox type of thing where it's like, you have three things that are uncorrelated, independent, don't really matter, but actually like somehow they conspire together to give you like a worse thing than than any of the three individually could give you. Wow. Uh, and like that's sort of, at least that's my personal retelling of this. And of course, SBF was like the, the king of this type of mm -hmm. thing. And even in 2018, when his co-founder, Ralamita, who quit, rage quit, uh, and was like, hey, like you shouldn't make him the head of the Center for Effective Altruism around the board, like they kind of ignored it. So like, I hope they die a, a merciless death as an organization. <laughs> Didn't Vitalik say something though, where like SBF is a dude who did something super bad, but does that mean that everything that he did needs to also be labeled as bad or was there anything good? I think the organizational malfeasance of the center for effective altruism is quite large that okay. like to the point that, you might as well restart. And it gets back to the fact that there's multiple things that interacted here that on the surface individually with some constraints and bounds are individually fine to, uh, from like improving the social welfare of humanity. But combined clearly can be used to be justify any Machiavellian thing that's possible. Mm -hmm. I think like, sure, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but like examine whether whether you had a mutant baby. And the mutant baby like grew into like this like monster <laughs> yeah. who pillaged the village. And I think that that part is like hard for like Vitalik's view of this, I think, is he was sort of close to that community. So it's like mm -hmm. he probably does feel like their aspects are good. And like, sure, I, I, I maybe there were some, but I think like the net harm is so much higher that you should really reevaluate what components you're adding together there. Particularly if you try to instead mash up one of those core tenants with another of the whole cryptocurrency industry, which is like decentralization and individual sovereignty and choice. Like, frankly, at like that level, you should be maybe more focused on uh, putting your resources to work for like local problems that you think could be better served rather than like try to take on, you know, oh, I'm going to need a couple billion dollars for X, Y, Z to fix this massive structural injustice when it turns out that's just like a feint for corruption on a massive scale. But mm. I don't know, that gets maybe a little too philosophical. I, I mean, in general, if we look at the 2010s and like include the last two years, clearly the making the world a better place thing has been the greatest way to like yeah. assuage people of yeah. any bad mm -hmm. action you do. Yeah. Whether it's in tech companies, whether it's mm -hmm. in FTX. I mean, FTX is a much worse case in a lot of ways, but like, it's not so different, right? It's like the sure. same ethos just expanded. It's really hard to call it effective when you look at it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's ineffective altruism. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, why, why is like Kevin O'Leary, that like annoying shark tank guy getting $15 million, like al effective altruism? Like, shouldn't you have bought mosquito nets with that? Like, we could like <laughs> go through the list of all the people who were paid off. And it was like, where are the mosquito nets? Hey, I mean, if it potentially increases your like future reach or something, and then afterwards you can yeah, the, the, the mosquito nets in five thousand years will be bought by the the PR <laughs> you bought right now, right? Exactly. Like, the, the, yeah, the problem fundamentally is what you're saying is like 
the in a lot of ways the fallacy is like local actions can all add up to the right like global action even if like on average a little screwed up and it turns out that that's not true right like things that seem locally correct if you just like do them a lot uh, turn out to actually give you like very bad results and limits um I, I think that the way you said it is is very cute actually which is a uh, reality is not infinitely liquid i think is the is the is the greatest like true quote <laughs> that like of this maybe not this entire season but it's it's pretty close I just, I just think like people don't think about discounting the future, right? Like, yeah, yeah but that's a fundamental like, that's problem. Clearly, right? like, they, they, mm-hmm. it's not even they discounted it; they like valued it so much more that like they kind of destroyed the current state. I mean, it's 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 also the whole thing of like here, here's the other shitty way of stating it, which is if you have a like a a, a series that's convergent but not absolutely convergent, you can rearrange the terms to make it any number you want. Mm-hmm. right that's a, that's, that's the nice. classic case so so that you yes. can take the steps in any anything you want to actually get the result you want uh mm. and that's how effective altruism looks like effective machiavellianism <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so, so like like fundamentally like you can you can any conclusion you want you just rearrange the steps in the right order and now you congratulations mm-hmm. you know that's like a shitty model of it but that's the that's the high level idea it's like Local properties don't are not always don't always neatly translate to like these like global ones. Well, well, we we learned that they don't like reading books according to that Sequoia piece. So <laughs> I, 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 I guess if you don't read books, you're not going to know the difference in different types of convergence rates. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I do have a hot take, which is I don't love reading books, but uh, I guess I do have I do read textbooks. I don't know. You those do count, read some. But... Yeah, <laughs> you're not also not going. You're Greater not like zero. bragging on the internet that you don't read books and that yeah. that everything should be written in a six paragraph tweet thread. Mm. Uh, th- yeah, that's fair. I enough. mean, that was such an embarrassing article. Like, I, I like. There's nothing I can say about that. That was just like you know. There was this whole thing I remember in the last five years about how like the, uh, tech companies and venture investors need to like own their own narratives and like you can't trust the media. Ironically, I definitely trust. I've never mistrusted the media more than after this FTX thing. But oh, yeah. ignoring that, <laughs> this whole thing like, oh, like we're going to be a venture fund and like run our own media company, uh, and you know, like A16Z started this magazine, which I think shut down like recently. And this idea that like somehow it wouldn't turn into like the marketing section of like an old school magazine was sort of misguided. And like I'm sure a lot of them realize like the liability from running these media companies is, is like infinitely higher than the, the value from generated from them. Mm. Especially when people just constantly can point to them and say, I can't believe you thought that about this thing you invested. Yeah. Going back to the press part, like it did seem almost like he had, they'd put enough out there. They had enough press and PR people behind the scenes who had made you know, relationships with the press. So it was like, as it crashed, those relationships were still intact and these articles were still really positive and they had said all the right things. Right. I learned, I learned a word, which I had not, I tweeted it, but like, I'd never heard it before the shibboleth. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Oh, shibboleth. Yeah. Awesome word. That's a classic. uh, If you're whatever, rationalist circles, I think is the right. Do they use it? Or post rats, I guess, which I don't know why. But I had never heard that word. And I was like, whoa. And then it was like, he was so, it was so performative. And they had done it with that completely like inside knowing like this is a performance. And then they did it anyway. And then you see it worked to a level until it crashed. So like, the press tour that he's basically been doing on Twitter spaces. I don't know if that's a great thing for him, but does it's... anyone understand why? Like, I, I just like, don't really see the point of doing this. Like, isn't the main, the main thing is to put himself in a position. Like he wants to be seen as incompetent and not malicious. So it's like to go out and to get public opinion, to believe incompetence. Like he constantly was like, I just didn't know. Yeah. I made a that's big the mistake. theory I've heard. Yeah. And then it's a little bit less shitty for him in court. But like, there's so much recorded evidence of them bragging about their risk management skill and their liquidation engine, which clearly failed. In Congress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They right. literally said this in a fucking CFTC hearing. Like, wow. I don't know. It's just like, then again, the New York Times still writes dog shit about this. Like, uh, embarrassing dog shit. It's like, I never watched Fox business news in my life or read anything from Fox until now because Whoa. that is the oh, no. only mainstream media in the u.s that's actually covering the the facts as opposed to like 
Oh, isn't it cute that he's playing a video game during all of these interviews? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real like accelerated Gelman amnesia, I think, for so many. If, if people are unfamiliar with that term, I guess listeners, you know, it's this, uh, I think it was popularized by Michael Crichton. Uh, yep. Yeah. Because right. there's this physicist, Gelman, I guess, that uh, taught michael Crichton, that like anytime you you read the newspaper back in his day and you read something about some new physics discovery and you're a theoretical physicist and you're like this is so absurdly off base this is yeah. wrong i can't believe it and then you flip the page over and without any sense of incredulity you read the international news section and accept it as fact right? mm-hmm. and and this mm-hmm. experience this phenomenon is now i think what so many people in crypto who haven't experienced it before are, are like speed running it as yeah. a result of seeing all of this crazy malfeasance and then having that disconnect with what's happening elsewhere in the media, you know? Um, it's not great. Not a great mm-hmm. feeling. M- Murray Gell-Mann is actually more famous for his other invention, which is a quirk, but I just thought I Oh, yes. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a way He's better. a Nobel Prize winning physicist. Yes, uh, it's part yeah. of the amnesia. But, yeah, and then used to run the, the, the Santa Fe Institute and stuff like that. So he's he, he has a lot more that he's famous for than this. Unfortunately, perhaps this. I think in the popular culture, I think this one is uh, yeah. this one wins. Yeah. Uh, Sad. So oddly, this the FTX SBF crash roo of November did seem to like push tornado for art. Like even in the zk space, it sort of pushed. Like it pushed it back into our psyche. We're not like, so I've been hosting a legal group where we were talking about like right when tornado happened, we brought kind of brought it back to life, bringing together a lot of general counsels to talk about the tornado issue. And then in the last meeting we had, uh, you know, people were like, well, right now everything has shifted focus also on the Hill towards what happened with FTX. It's just changed everything. And so it's, yeah, it's been kind of fascinating how impactful that was just across the board. I, I sort of want to continue with our with our past, present, future idea for this episode. I think this brings us pretty much to the present. I'm just curious, how are you all doing? How are you feeling? Um, I guess good. I don't know. It's like it's been an insane year in a lot of ways, but like overall, it's been pretty good. I guess Sharon and I are working on some like kind of ridiculous, insane paper, which is made me pretty excited lately i would i i would i would shill it as this is probably the best idea guillermo has had in his life <laughs> it is like far too kind but uh you know thank you uh or Whoa. or uh or not not thank you depending on how i badly you think my <laughs> other ideas are i guess maybe, maybe you think all my other ideas are really shit so i don't know unclear um but yeah no it's been good um i think for the, for the most part for you know certainly about as good as the year could have gone but for you this is your first non-academic job this is right yeah 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 weirdly i mean it's it's been to be in the workforce and participating (laughs) in the in the labor economy (laughs) ah yes you know here in the coal mines like you know mining difficult i don't know no i mean it's fine actually i do the same shit that i was doing as a phd student i'm essentially i like to call myself the glorified paper editor of uh of uh bcc so but but for the most part it's been good i mean i haven't really like it it feels like it just kind of shifted to i have more conversations with real people uh, but mm-hmm. I still write papers, um, which for better or worse, uh, I think it's bad for the outside world to to come in contact with like weird academics. But um, no, it's been good, I think. But you're feeling good. You have some new work. Can you give us some hint for what this is? Ooh, I think Tarun has a has a set of, a good set of descriptions for it. Maybe. I don't know. I'll, I'll uh, do you want to do say it? You know, know, we we've, we've had all these like vignettes about MEV over the last year of like sort of some theoretical properties you can prove about them, you know, and, and there's sort of always been this question, at least to cryptographers of like, hey, does there exist some sort of fair solution, fair ordering solution? Now, one problem is fair ordering never accounts for sort of at least the way it's defined in, say, like either the Arbitrum paper or Dahlia Malky's paper, etc. The, the, there's a notion of like fairness that doesn't take into account economic fairness so like sure your your transactions might get some guarantee about being in a certain order but i can still sandwich you and it doesn't like it may not have actually lowered the economic impact at all and it costs more because it increased the latency of the network or it made it harder to submit transactions so there's sort of this like 
mathematical divide between kind of some of the papers we've worked on, which are like trying to quantify the economic impact of someone reordering your transactions or removing your censoring your transactions or adding new transactions and the sort of distributed systems papers that sort of make a definition of what fairness is without regards to the economics, but but can't say anything about how much more, more expensive that such a process is than what you have now. And uh, I think we have a way of doing that and showing that I think a lot of the fair ordering stuff has a lot may not work as well as advertised. So wait, it's a negative paper, not a positive one? It's negative about fair ordering. Yeah. But I mean, it's positive about like understanding like what things you can do and can't do to reduce. And like versus like just being like, oh, like, yeah, we're going to add in all this cryptography to guarantee certain slight properties about the orderings nice. doesn't necessarily like reduce the economic impact. And so the question is like, what are the things that reduce the economic impact? And hopefully this gives some guidance into that. Mm. Right. So, cool. so the, the high level like idea is um, unless you think about the mechanism that, you know, you're actually like ordering for, there's always going to be kind of like bad scenarios that could screw you over. Mm. And that's the main point. That's, that's the main point that essentially we're showing in this paper is like, other than like, Unless you pay a very large cost for doing something, mm-hmm. essentially for like roughly like averaging out all of the possible like possibilities, mm-hmm. um, you're kind of screwed. There's always like something someone can do to like sandwich you or like add orders in the middle, and it has very weird and deep connections to like uh, a bunch of like crazy theory that like seems totally useless, uh, and maybe it mostly is, but it actually turns out to give you the right description here mm-hmm. uh, for some reason or another that was like very magical and. Uh, yeah. Cool. So, well, nice. I'll have to look out for it. I want to ask Kobe, where are you at today? So, yeah, I, I think like things are going well, having fun with in geometry. We have, I'm working with good people, um, smart and good, which is a good combination. Um, and you know, cryptography is, is always useful. Like it's not that if if the market crashes then you know maybe there is less activity on defi sometimes but cryptography is something that you do and it is going to be effective years into the future so i think we we have we've been working on really cool stuff and i think i i just checked something i noticed that one 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 thing that we published was on november 7 like when stuff was happening and it still got a bunch of traction. Like yeah. it still got traction despite being right. Yeah, yeah. because people want still want to do cryptography even when things go wrong. So yeah. <laughs> cryptography, the only real long termism. <laughs> oh. I have I have been feeling like doing zk hack over the last month because like we're recording yeah. this right before our last session. It's been really nice. It's like yeah. it's really felt like away from the storm and this like cozy community that's just really keen on learning and doesn't care about the stuff out there that much. It was nice. (laughs) Just want to do cool math. So that's... Just want to do cool math. (laughs) Okay, Josh, where are you at? Where are we at? The real question is actually like, where are we at as an industry? So I think, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, so I can answer, I can answer both personally and industry-wide, maybe try sure uh well actually two personal notes that i was very happy about in general in this year one is uh while i was in new york james alpha leaked taroon's eyewear uh proprietor which is where i got these <laughs> sweet glasses from so i Everyone was very excited has good glasses on this call the, the listeners can't hear can't see that but they can't see it but that's part of the mystery it's okay yeah. that's part of the fun i think it is it is <laughs> um so that's like good news number one the other thing that's that's uh exciting for me personally. Um, and then I'll go to personal industry, but um, my wife and I are expecting baby number three in Whoa. April. Josh! Congrats! Crazy. Damn. Yeah, that is it. I, that is done. <laughs> You're really? like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm out. I'm done. Um, and, uh, uh, the, the, now the more relevant one to, you know, your actual, to your listeners um, 
I think like, so I am finally getting back in the ring is, as y'all know, but like as, as others know, and I, Penumbra has already been shilled so many times in this podcast that I won't reshill it. Uh, so I will. There's a full episode all about Penumbra. There, there is. And it's there awesome. Is an I recommend episode. everybody listen yeah. to it. Um, but yeah, I'm starting, you know, I get to start a new organization that's contributing upstream to Penumbra called Radiant Commons. And I get to, you know, build an organization like I did uh, with the Zcash Foundation. So it's really exciting for me personally to be doing that. But I also think, and this I think really actually like uh, flows into why why this is a great moment for us as an industry, despite all of the negative news or maybe even because of it. Um, so the tornado cash stuff, I think actually my experience has been it's really emboldened privacy advocates. It's like demonstrated how much more important it is for us to be pushing the envelope on that. And that's mm-hmm. certainly been, I think, the view of uh, Penumbra supporters and people that are interested in that protocol. Um, but I think even more broadly than that, right? And part of that story, I think, is also uh, the idea that like we can build protocols and primitives that prevent an FTX-style collapse, right? That if we're building protocols that give people fully auditable uh, you know, cryptographically auditable uh, measures about the state of markets without having to rely on centralized providers and their trust me, bro, uh, approach to uh, collateralization. Like, that's great. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that's really where, uh, like, where I think a lot of a lot of people in the industry are very excited about the next couple of years, despite the bear market is like, all right, we had our like, fun yield farmy DeFi summer thing a couple of years ago. And now we're actually going to like kind of go back to roots about to our roots about how we can actually like demonstrate that these systems are measurably better than the horse shit that has been viewed as like the, you know, crypto to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these other people. Right. Um, so I, that that actually excites me a great deal. Cool. I like that. Uh, something I just want to note, because I know we actually have to wrap up in like three minutes because Guillermo, you have to leave. But we didn't get to the future. You can say it without me. It's totally fine. Well, no, but here, here's an idea. What if we reconvene in the new year to talk about the look forward? Ooh. We might also have Ooh. like have we like might that. have had a little bit of time off, which might not like. Hopefully Genesis doesn't explode by that. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Genesis, oh Binance, Tether, stay strong. Oh, yeah, but Genesis, Binance. Yeah, well, sorry, 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 yeah. sorry. Hopefully we walk into Christmas with, like, we made it. But, this like, airs, it might not be true. Just FYI, this airs on the 21st. So, yeah, we still have a week before. Anyway. <laughs> Tarun, we didn't really get to you. I do want to ask, how are you today? What is the state of things as it stands today? And then, yeah, we'll, we'll finish this episode in a way, part two in the future. I feel like there are all these memes in 2018 when I was like first really like full time paying attention to crypto that had all these people who are like, there was these like 3D memes of like these, these like molten blue alien things holding bags. And they were like, walking over lava and like they were melting and they were like it was supposed to be like bag holders melting Mm. like not making it across the pit and then at the end there were like the three survivors and the three survivors were like bitcoin eth and i forget what the third one was like tether or something (laughs) uh so i feel like i feel like i've made it to the survivor thing provided nothing else blows up but also yeah just like definitely motivated by the uh research progress lately i feel like i feel like it was a lot it was actually quite hard to work get a lot done between three arrows and ftx but i feel like once the big one blew up it was like all right i can finally like because like otherwise you're kind of like what's gonna blow up next what and like it like it kind of influenced how well you could like think freely yeah at least for me (laughs) you do have one on your mind though now hey yeah but these ones at this point i'm like whatever I I can't do anything. Cool. Thank you to all four of you for joining. And uh, thank you also for being my sometimes co-host over the year. It's been so fun doing interviews with all of you. It was. It's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to reconvene beginning of next year. I'm going to make one prediction. Oh, okay. Make one prediction. (laughs) Which is next year, the ZK podcast is going to have a lot of episodes on ZK and its intersection with machine learning. Oh yeah. Oh, and maybe, oh I, mean, I thought it was MEV. Yeah. I'm disappointed in you. Never mind. <laughs> no, I think nope. I think like 2023 
bear market will be the time we we talk a lot about that. That's my guess. I think that's yeah. definitely right. possible. What a year! Wild. Yeah, really. Hey, we're all alive. Yeah, yeah. True. And not and not doing Twitter Spaces every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Although, thank you for joining the one I did a little while ago, Tarun. I appreciate it. Oh fun. yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's different than these uh, these ridiculous. Circus. Oh yeah, these like I, fe- I feel like I feel let's like watch like SBS the 20s or 30s like show trials but like in reverse (laughs) like an inverse show trial i don't know i really want to do a parody space where like i'm role-playing sbf and someone is pretending to be an interviewer i feel like that would actually be a lot of fun (laughs) i think james should interview you that would be great actually (laughs) i'll text james that would be really fun i've been trying to get someone to do that because i just feel like this is ridiculous. Like, we need to stop giving him airtime. You do good impressions, too. But SPF impressions just involve a lot of, like, um, um. Yeah. Um, well, and then I need a mechanical keyboard. No, no, no. You need a mechanical. There. You have to, like, do that every <laughs> once in a while. Mechanical keyboard. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> True. And then, like, repeating the question under my breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying I'm still putting the pieces together. Yeah. A lot of that. Just over and over and over again. Yeah. Before I sign off, I just want to let you know that I'm going to be taking a little break. We won't have episodes coming out for the next three weeks, and we'll be returning mid-January, probably with the Looking Forward at 2023 episode. So looking forward to seeing everyone there. I also want to say a big thank you to the podcast team, Henrik, Tanya, and Rachel, and to our listeners. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.